The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Each business is unique and operated individually of others in the same industry. What they have in common is the potential path to success. Welcome to The Second Stage with your hosts, Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. In today's program, we'll address the obstacles that many businesses find on that path to success and discuss what entrepreneurs and their businesses are doing to stay ahead of the curve. Now, here is Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. Welcome, welcome, welcome to The Second Stage. Hey, Jeff, it's been a long time since we've been hanging out on the old airwaves. It has been a long time and glad to be back. Uh, yeah. As you know, we've been traveling quite a bit. I think uh, I uh, traveled every week except for one between uh, now and uh, mid-September. So uh, I've got that behind me. feels good. It's funny you bring that up. My little kind of little personal notes I was going to write was I had a couple things. One is that we noted today that we were pretty much done with uh, travel for the rest of this year, and that, that's kind of a that's an exciting thing. And then, um, we, you know, we've, uh, we've we've we put I think we set new personal records from the uh, mileage this year just in uh, just just on United alone, which is uh, you know as you know never something to be thrilled about hanging out on United all those all those miles. Well, for our listeners out there, uh, Evolution Capital Partners used to be a regionally focused fund, and now we're a nationally focused fund. And as a result, we've got uh, investments in every time zone. And as a result, uh, be careful what you wish for. We're on the planes uh, quite a bit. Um, and our our listeners also know that uh, Brennan and I advocate using some kind of an operating system when managing one of managing your business and that is the topic of today's conversation our guest today is one of our own mike via the president and co-owner of llewellyn technology a national leader in workplace safety welcome to the second stage mike well thanks guys it's nice to be on the show Hey, hey, Mike, um, Jeff and I kind of always debate this. You know, we, we always tell people what Llewellyn does for a living, and, and I just thought it would be fun if you could maybe say it correctly. What, what does Llewellyn do? Because it's, uh, it's one of those, it's a unique, really niche, wonderful business. And uh, Jeff and I, you know, I, I think I'm right, but Jeff, maybe, Jeff, follow, follow this closely. Mike, what, what do you guys well, do? Well, let me see if I can uh, set you straight. So we are a, we're a safety company, so we focus on <clears throat> preventing injuries and saving lives. In, particularly in two areas, electrical safety and combustible dust. So as I like to say, we, uh, we do our best to help our companies uh, avoid explosions and, and serious, uh, serious accidents and injuries as part of that. So electrical safety um, is driven by Reg 70E, but it involves several pieces of training and preventive maintenance. Companies are required to do what's called an arc flash analysis, which uh, layman's term is really just doing an autopsy on their whole electrical system coming in from the transformer and the utility all the way through the facility to identify areas where there there could be an arc flash accident, which obviously is not a good thing. And then the other part of the business is combustible dust. 
which basically any company that manufactures or processes anything creates a byproduct, which is dust, and about 80% of dusts are combustible. So if you get uh, a, a dust that's combustible, combustible and it gets dispersed and, and mixed with oxygen, and then there's some sort of a ignition source, which um, coincidentally oftentimes is on the electrical side, um, and it's in a confined space, um, <clears throat> that's not a good situation. It really creates the equivalent of what a bomb is. So those combustible dust explosions are really high profile. So both businesses are, are very niche, technically oriented businesses that um, um, we're really excited about what we can do to really help our companies uh, prevent those kind of uh, accidents. Well, so I apologize. So, you did have it down. I apologize. Well, <laughs> what I actually heard him say was that Llewellyn keeps us from exploding from bombs. <laughs> That's well, right. You, you, you had it before. before, Jeff, and you, then you just lost it there. So okay. you were so close. Okay. You were so maybe, close. Maybe my confidence is down. I don't, I don't know. Uh, well, yeah. the reason that we chose Mike to talk about this topic today was under his leadership at Llewellyn Technology over the past three years, Llewellyn has increased revenue 70% and EBITDA 250%, and I bet all of our listeners would like to do that. And uh, we want, and I know from uh, our preparation for this show that Mike attributes a lot of that from using an operating system to help him get his hands around uh, Llewellyn technology and, and bring it forward. So, uh, Mike, do you want to talk to uh, just open up a little bit about your decision to uh, embrace? Um, in fact, actually, let's step back and why don't we talk a little bit about how we all came together. There and, we go. Uh, I was going to cut together. you off, Jeff. I knew you'd come around. Good man. Uh, good man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at my prep notes here. Yeah, uh, good, good. Talk about how we came together to uh, partner on Llewellyn Technology. Sure, it's a, it's a great story. It was <clears throat> coincidentally we were Evolution as well as myself. We were both uh, separately looking at second stage companies, and so I had the opportunity to to bid on purchasing Llewellyn, and I lost out to a a, a formidable one of the premier. Uh, private equity firms in the country uh, with Evolution. There you go. Um, there you go. And after, uh, after the merger, oh, I guess it was about 90 days, the founder, for a variety of reasons, decided that didn't want to do it full time. <clears throat> and so uh, all the parties came together since I'd already done my due diligence and really liked the company and the industry and the niche. Um, I had to convince you guys that uh, I was the right one. But the fact that we both looked uh, and had the same view of the company and the and the opportunity that was in front of us um, made for a made for a great start. Well, and it was actually one of those kind of crazy small world stories. Within about a week or so of kind of figuring out the future of, of Llewellyn, uh, we had an investor, a banker, um, and some other people, like three or four people called and said, "Hey, you should meet this guy, Mike Via. He's you know he knows the business, he knows the industry, blah blah blah." And we're going, "Wow, that's a." Uh, that's kind of crazy. So it was, I think. Oh, and actually, um, and so it was. And then there was the uh, the other operating system that we were working with uh, that had had suggested it too. So it was. Uh, there were there were about seven points of contact that happened in a, in, a, in a very very short period of time, and and we're and we're thrilled. Um, the um, you know I, I think what's what's fun about this business is you dream you kind of dream about what the business can be, and and. Um, you know, I was going to kind of jump to maybe maybe step back because it's I think it's important for for listeners to understand, you know, kind of what the business was and then what it 
became, and then maybe after the break, we'll kind of dig in and kind of talk about how you did it. Does that make sense? Sure. So maybe talk about what the business was. Sure. It was, I, mean, like, go ahead. I would say it was a classic, what we call lifestyle business that, you know, an owner had started, in this case, the founder had started a business and, and had done a really nice job of growing it to a certain level, <clears throat> had found a nice niche, developed it and created a nice brand. But the company had had limited growth for the last five years. It was a you know nice size and it was a profitable business. But like a lot of companies in this second stage, you have one or two people doing most of the work and driving most of the growth. <clears throat> they start to reach their uh, their individual capacity, and a lot of times it's just either don't know how or don't have the resources to take the business uh, and grow it to to a to a higher level, and so. Um, I think this one, um, Llewellyn, was, uh, that was a perfect description of what, where Llewellyn was at that time. So it had a nice business. It had a nice niche, uh, probably more internally, either from a financial standpoint or from a, you know, as you've talked about, the five pillars, but a human capital standpoint, um, had just reached some limitations and was having a hard time breaking through those limitations. Well, I think what's kind of interesting is I, I think, you know, and we'll, again, we'll kind of get into the details of how you did this, but maybe describe, you know, the, the customer when you, when, when we first kind of started working with the business, you started first started, you know, running the business, what did that customer look like? And we won't give away what the new, what the, what the new one looks like, but I think it helps entrepreneurs kind of understand you saw a problem and then you, without kind of derailing the existing revenue base, you found a, a different one. We did. When we got in there, we found that um, that was probably one of the other, <clears throat> excuse me, limiting factors. Uh, I think like a lot of small businesses, the tendency is to focus on smaller customers maybe that are a nice match at that, that size. So customers that, that where you don't have to compete, in this case, you don't have to compete against the, the much larger competitors for whatever reason, either because you're scared of them or because they have resources that make it very difficult to compete against. And we found in, in this particular business that the model of going out and doing seminars and attracting local um, smaller companies had also reached its, its capacity. It was very difficult to grow it from that, that standpoint. So as we like to say, it was really getting, changing the culture for everybody to think a little bigger and start to target uh, some larger companies with broader product needs and including, as you mentioned earlier, from a geographic standpoint, we were very much of a regional operation in the Midwest. Occasionally, we'd go to the East Coast or the West Coast or to the South, but it was really starting to think about how we could think of ourselves first as a national firm and taking care of um, some larger clients than we had in the past. So just to kind of be – to uh, be – very specific. You know, realistically, the business was uh, the founder, a great visionary, and his sales team, they would go out and give seminars, and sometimes they would, they would land these relatively small, but, you know, if you do enough of them, they add up to a decent-sized, solid-based business, relatively, bald, relatively small, non-recurring transactions that, you know, that, that every quarter, every month, every week that you got up, uh, you had to kind of restart. And so I think, you know, part of the process was how you, and we'll get into that at the, at the turn, how to, um, you know, how, how did you, you know, we'll, we'll explain and kind of we'll bait you into, we'll bait the listeners into sitting around and listen, how, how you transform that into something that was much easier to predict and, uh, you know, very exciting. Um, 
And that's what we'll do. Uh, we want you all in the uh, that are listening to the second stage to connect with us on Twitter at evolution underscore CP. And you can join the discussion on the second stage at hashtag the 2ND stage. Or you can email us at the second stage at evolutioncp.com. We'd like to thank our sponsor, RSM LLP, formerly McGladry LLP, the leading provider of assurance tax and consulting services focused on small and mid-sized businesses nationwide with more than 6,700 people in 75 U.S. cities. Uh, we're with our guest today, Mike Via, president of Llewellyn Technology, who can be found at www.llewellyn.com and on Twitter at Llewellyn Tech. Thanks for tuning in to the second stage. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of. A team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance. Tax. Consulting. If you want to learn how to be a better leader, increase your level of business performance, and motivate your team and organization more effectively, listen for Performing at Your Best, Mindset Evolution with Luis Vicente Garcia. Luis Vicente and his guests will share their expertise and enthusiasm in helping you to succeed. It's combining that drive with business skills that will do just that. Tune in live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the show, The Second Stage. This is Jeff Cadlick, and I'm here with my partner, Brendan Anderson. We're also with our guest, Mike Via, president of Llewellyn Technology. Uh, Llewellyn can be found at Llewellyn.com. Uh, if you're enjoying this episode or listened to uh, The Second Stage in the past, you can find more episodes at VoiceAmerica.com. Uh, you can also listen to us on the go by downloading Voice America Talk Radio Network mobile app available on iOS or Android devices. So, Mike, we left off with um, uh, uh, you know, getting into how we uh, started to transform the business and really what, what we saw and, and set the stage for developing uh, uh, or using an operating system. We did. And, and, and so. Maybe... And in, in in, I'm sorry, maybe we back up a second here and just kind of say, you know, I think it's important for 
for you know people that are looking at businesses and buying businesses to kind of understand the foundation you know what is it that's in the business that you saw you know mike you saw it independently jeff and i saw it when we were looking at it and then obviously you're thrilled we were able to hook up but like you know what is it that when 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 you were looking at llewellyn did you like about it originally uh, there were there were several, Brendan. <clears throat> the first is the company itself was an attractive size, starting size, and second that it had a foundation to build from. <clears throat> so at the start, it had about forty employees <clears throat> and a foundation of of um, a, a strong brand. It also was in while well, it was in, it is a niche business. It's an industry leader in that within that niche. So you know when you pull up um, and Google it. Llewellyn was at the top of the list when you talk about arc flash or electrical safety. So there were several things from a starting point that that were very attractive. Also, as we looked at within the industry, um, there were some real strong growth drivers. In particular, the increased uh, regulatory environment. So OSHA um, and NFPA is the two primary regulators within um, mostly industrial um, workplaces had a strong emphasis and had uh, initiated new regulatory standards and were enforcing those in their their compliance efforts. So there were some nice uh, outside um, drivers for growth within the industry. And then the third probably would be that it was a business that had um, some strong technical requirements. So when you think of limits on competition or unique advantages within this, it's, it's highly technical. So it would be very difficult and is very difficult for anybody to start up a business in these segments. And then lastly, as we looked at it, we saw the opportunity to build and add technology uh, to be a a driver for the business, but also to bring technology to the industry, some new techniques that we're working on that are different than anybody else is is bringing to the marketplace. Yeah, and and I look at I think the thing that Jeff and I saw, and obviously you did, is, is that that technology, although Llewellyn was a was a great little business, um, that technology would bring would let us do the job much more efficiently. And I think a lot of buyers look at those things as huge negatives, where I think maybe the three of us looked at them as huge positives because we could invest in it and expand those things. And and obviously we still have some work to do, but that's been that's been uh, uh, you know that, that's been probably something we've done done pretty well uh, you know and, and pretty pr- pretty proud of it um, and I would say by the way maybe, that's, that's uh, really true especially for labor intensive businesses anytime you can use technology that will make it either simpler and or more efficient uh, there's a huge impact financially when you do that and there has been for us All right, so now let's Let's get into fun stuff. So the, the operating system, obviously it's something Jeff and I talk about all the time. Maybe give me your reaction when we started talking about uh, uh, putting in an operating system. We were really excited about it, and I was in particular. You know, as we described where the, where the company was and where we wanted to go, there was a lot of change that needed to be implemented. And uh, when you do that in, a, in this size company, um, it's hard for one person to do that by themselves. <clears throat> so for me, it was really exciting to create a system where I could be part of the system as opposed to just being the driver of the system. And so when we, you know, we all had the discussions about trying to find a system, uh, you know, EOS was, as we looked at it, was the perfect one to do several things, but in particular to help drive that change that we wanted. When, 
you know, I think a lot of times when, when Jeff and I talk to entrepreneurs or business leaders about putting in a process or a system, we get a lot of blowback because it's going to be like they're, they're going to get their creativity clipped. They're going to be told what to do every day, the, all that sort of thing. Is that the case? It is not the case. Although I will tell you, I think rolling out <clears throat> the way we did is we had, obviously we decided, you know, we looked at several systems and decided this was the best one. We had a kickoff meeting with our outside facilitator, facilitator Renee Bohr, who's critical to the process, I should add, as part of all this. The, having <clears throat> the right outside facilitator makes a huge difference. But we spent a half a day with the leadership team really talking through and, and trying to get some initial buy-in to the process as opposed to you know, just coming in and say, okay, here's our new process, we're going to go implement it. They had some time to debate it and had some time for input into it. Not that everybody was fully on board when we kicked it off, but I think that helped really stage it in um, and, and get over some of those initial obstacles that um, you know everyone has when you say you're implementing a new system or you're bringing in an outside party to help you. There's always the antennas always go up, and people always want to fight those kind of things. So rolling the process out uh, the right way is really important, and, and EOS has a good way to do it. All right. The the other thing that the people, entrepreneurs or leaders always say to us is, I just don't have time, Brennan, Jeff, I, I, I don't have time to get this done. I mean, are you kidding me? I'm running a business. So overall, was it a, a use of time or a, or a, or a supplier, a, su- a supply of time? Oh, it, it, the, the first couple of months when you have the meetings, it's clearly a use of time, but it converts quickly to being a supplier. In fact, one of the initial exercises, one of the tools EOS uses is to get everybody to go through and, and, and analyze what they do and at a high level. This isn't a time management study, but a high level. What do you do? What do you like to do? What don't like you like to do? And it really helps all of the leaders um, really understand and, and find ways to find more time to do the things they like to do and the things that they're good at. You know, that sounds to me like it's you know, and I'm playing a little devil's advocate, a bunch of gobbledygook, right? I mean, there's no way a process can do that. And, you know, and, and, and over and over and over again, entrepreneurs just say that and say that and say that. I, I just, you know, is, it, is there a chance it's gobbledygook? Is there a chance you got lucky or is this, is this going to work most of the time? Uh, I'm pretty sure it works most of the time. In fact, one of the things benefits being part of the U.S. system is once or twice a year you get, to be, you get together with other companies a variety of different sizes, and you get to hear their stories, especially the ones that are a year or two or three years ahead of you in the process of implementing this, of what worked and what didn't work. Um, and within that group, I mean, to me, it, it seems like it's probably got a 90% plus success ratio because it's a process, and you have to stick with it. And it starts, in this case, at the top of the, the company with the, the, uh, you know, the president of the CEO that has to be part of it and has to change their behaviors. And I there's no doubt when everybody else sees that process being implemented, whether it's a, a daily or a weekly process or monthly or quarterly, it's all staged in in, in in different levels that the buy-in comes pretty quickly. And for us, it took, uh, honestly, it took about a year. Uh, we had to have, we were probably on our fifth, sixth meeting when we really had some, had some breakdowns where people really said, hey, I've got to get on board with this. I've got to stop doing some things that I'm doing and start doing some others. And you, what we saw, the real benefit is the peer-to-peer. It's one thing for your boss to tell you what to do, but when you get to the point in this process, you know it's working when 
the peers will tell each other what they're doing right or doing wrong or what they can do better. And then it's such a powerful um, turning point when that happens. It's, it's like, can, can you give a situation where EOS would not work in a, in a, uh, in a situation? I would say a couple. One is if um, the owner or leader of the company doesn't buy into it, it won't work um, because um, you know everybody will see through it. Um, and and the leader of that group, whoever it is, you know, as we talk about with the integrator or the visionary, depending on what the role is, if they're not committed to doing it and running it, um, it will be it'll get derailed pretty quickly. So it's, I would say. That's probably the only one. I, I think it. I started thinking about industries. I think it works across a variety of industries, across a variety of companies. In these peer groups I was talking about, there's companies with five employees. There's companies with, you know, 500 employees. So, the process itself is uh, can be applied in a variety of different situations. So, to me, the only way it wouldn't work is if if the, uh, really the leaders in the company. Uh, the primary leader in the company doesn't believe in it. <clears throat> because as you go through this process, the next layer of leaders in the company, there are some, and we've had some, that will self-select out. So if you stay with it, there are some that will say, I don't, you know, I just don't want to be part of that. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who just want to do their own thing and not be part of a team and not be on the same page of, of what the vision is and what the strategy is. And um, so there is some natural self-selection that comes out of that. And maybe talk about self-selection because I think that's an important piece. It, it, it you know, that 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 concept of self-selecting sounds typically like a pretty negative, negative thing. And I think that with a process, it it tend, it you know, it's it, it tends to be a better thing because people kind of understand that they probably better in some other spot. Maybe talk about that self-selection process and how that worked. Sure, it's. Um it happens a couple of different ways. So I don't know if this is the time to talk about some of those tools, but um, in the process there's one particular important part called the accountability chart. And so after you do your vision meetings and you, you come up with your core values, which are all extremely important and that you live by those, you get into looking at your organization and saying if you started over today with a clean sheet of paper, what would your organizational structure look like? And what would the functions be? And in each of those functions, without names, you don't put people in, but names, what are the four or five key responsibilities, roles, that each of those, um, as we call them, seats has? Then you go back and you, you talk about what the characteristics are of the, of the leaders of those, those seats, um, and you start to put people in those seats. And when you do that, it's a, it's a emotional and a really powerful discussion because it becomes pretty obvious to most of the people and oftentimes to even some of the individuals that they might be in the wrong seat or that there might not be a seat for them. So the process guides you through that. Um, and when we did it and then the other companies I've talked to, you know, it becomes pretty obvious. It becomes black or white about the position as you've defined it and, and who is the right person or not the right person to be in that in that seat, and a lot of times you'll find another seat for that individual, but in some cases, um, you don't. You're listening to the second stage, and our guest, Mike Via, president of Llewellyn Technology. Uh, we are talking about using operating systems and running your business. 
want to remind everybody that each week we want to provide actionable advice and have you continue the dialogue through comments and questions on our blog at evolutioncp.com. We want to hear what works and what doesn't. We want to create a true community of entrepreneurs helping entrepreneurs. Email us at the second stage at evolutioncp.com if you would like to volunteer to the community, your experiences and solutions. When we come back, we're going to get in a little bit more specifics about uh, the Entrepreneurial Operating System, or EOS, with our guest, Mike Villa. Thanks for tuning in to the second stage. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of. A team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance. Tax. Consulting. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417. 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the second stage. This is Jeff Cadlick. I'm here with my partner, Brendan Anderson, and our guest, Mike Via, president of Llewellyn Technology. It can be found at Llewellyn.com. Uh, like any forum, the show will be more effective and powerful if folks contribute their experiences and ideas. We invite you to continue the discussion from each week's show on our blog, which can be found at evolutioncv.com. Or you can email us at the second stage at evolutioncp.com. Mike, when we finished the last segment, you know, you started talking about the accountability chart. And when you're looking at the accountability chart, uh, could you talk a little bit quickly about some of the definable roles uh, always evident within an accountability chart? Sure. Almost all companies will have, you know, you'll have a, a, a visionary uh, oftentimes the founder, um, that's the idea person. You know, when you look at the profiles of individuals, that's the, somebody that's always creating new ideas. Maybe they're not as good at managing processes and consistency, but they like the variety and the creativity. Um, 
most of the companies will have an integrator, which is somebody that enjoys those processes. They can take those ideas and then take them into the organization and, and make them work and make them work consistently. <clears throat> as well, almost all companies will have a sales and or marketing function. And so, you know, those that's the group that's responsible for finding new leads, taking those leads, and then converting those leads into um, new customers. <clears throat> and that can include, in all these boxes, there's a term we within EOS that we use, LMA, which is when we look at its lead, manage the business, and then hold people accountable for, for the goals and the results. And so every one of the boxes has an LMA function to it. So sales and marketing, which is responsible for creating the brand and identifying leads and bringing those in. Um, operations would be another box. <clears throat> so the head of operations is responsible for all of the production-oriented uh, efficiency uh, a lot of times it's quality and the technical aspects in our business. Um, that, that means managing all of the engineers and all of our master electricians that we have all over the country and making sure that the projects are working their way through. Um, you have a head of human resources, which is the person responsible for recruiting and maintaining to make sure that we have the best quality people. Uh, it includes benefit programs, the traditional human resource area functions that most people are familiar with. Um, uh, having a, a um, CFO or a controller, somebody that manages the finance and accounting is critical. Um, I can say that's one of the lessons we learned in our business is we, we had a part-time person doing it for a while, and in hindsight, if we had to do it again, getting somebody in there that can really do that, that has the accounting aspects and, 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 and um, um, you know, can, can take the numbers and put them into reports and scorecards, things that we can measure how the business is doing in very sim simple terms, and that's not always easy to do, but having somebody that can do that. So those are, those are traditionally, the uh, Jeff, the main functions um, that almost all companies have. And then as part of it, you identify there's probably eight to ten key processes that go um, underneath one of those functions. So it could be an HR people process. It could be a production quality assurance process. It could be a financial reporting process. So you make sure you match all of those up. But having, as we say, having the right person in that right seat that has those skill sets and has those experience and that really wants to do it is extremely important. I got to tell you, Mike, that just, you know, as, as an entrepreneur or, or something, that sounds horrible. I mean, having somebody tell me or, or having a function and I'm supposed to do this and have a scorecard, I bet all the employees hate it. Do they absolutely hate knowing what they're exactly supposed to do every day and how they're going to be judged? No. Uh, you know, I, I think at times we all fight accountability as we, as we talk about. But once you get into this process, they're so excited about it because they know that's their world and it's measurable. And they want... Uh, what we found is they want everybody else to know what they're doing. I think people, you know, most employees are really proud of what they do. And so all of a sudden now you start to have a scorecard, and they have input in building that scorecard, and you measure against that. They really get excited about it. I mean, we've gotten to the point now where we post some of these scorecards. We don't even have to talk about them because we know they're walking down the hall and they're looking at the scorecard and how they're doing, and now they're doing against uh, their peers. It's, uh, it, it becomes a really fun process competitive process but a really fun process and, and i just kind of reemphasize that there's never a period of time i mean there 
entrepreneurs will push back and say that this is going to be, you know, people are going to hate it. They're going to hate it. And, and when people jump on board, they love it. And it, and it, it really is a fantastic thing. Now tell me, so you got the, you got, you got your accountability chart. You've got the team, you know, built, you know, excited about the functions that they're going to play and so forth. Maybe talk about how, how do we, how do we analyze the, the people? How do we, how do we look at them? There's a, there's a couple different tools in this process that are really helpful. One is the people analyzer where what we, we take every employee in the company and we go through and we, we um, basically uh, rate them uh, against our core values. So we have four core values. I won't go into the details now, but we, have, we came up as a team. We came up with four core values that we said are really important, and we wanted to make sure that every existing employee met those core values and every new employee that we recruit as we're growing and hiring new, uh, new people that we make sure the first thing we do is we put them through to make sure that they fit with those core values because we found if they don't fit with the core values, they're like hornets. They can create such a huge mess for, the, for not only their own team but for the rest of the company. And then the so, other is we measure them against what we call the GWC, which is do they get it? Do they, do they you know, in an internal sense, do they really get what we're trying to accomplish? Do they want to do it? Do they want to do their job and be, be part of a company that, that does that? And then lastly, do they have the capacity? And that could be um, intellectual, physical. A lot of times we, we ask people to do so many different things that they only, you know, at best they can be average in all of those. So a lot of times in this accountability chart, that's why we identify really three to five key, uh, key roles. If, if you list somebody in, or list that function and there's 10 or 12 um, key roles, then you've got a problem. So um, the people analyzer is just a great tool um, that we do, and we go through it quarterly. We go through it, and we go through, and if somebody's you know, got a, a negative mark in, in, in the want it piece, which is usually about an attitude, then we, you know, the manager has a discussion with them, and as we say, you get three strikes in this business. So the first one, you talk to them, and hopefully they change, and most of the time they do. Second time it comes up, uh, you have another discussion, and, and you let them know that if, uh, and usually it is an attitude, if the attitude doesn't change, then, you know, three strikes, and, and um, we just can't put up with it because it's such a negative drag on the rest of the company when you get somebody, and we all have them. Every organization has them. Uh, but we do our best to, to minimize the impact of, the, of those yeah, and the people analyzer, do I get to kind of do this in confidence and kind of write it, you know, behind the person's back and then, you know, kind of submit it without my name on it and so forth so that I don't hurt anybody's feelings? Is that the way that works? No, not at all. We go through in the leadership group and in our company, there, there's seven in this group, and we actually go through each name. And it's pretty eye-opening. I mean, I've, I've even had a couple of my direct reports where I, th- I had a different impression of what they were doing and how they were interacting than, than uh, what their peers had. And so creating an open and honest environment, as we say, to build that trust, uh, you have to be able to you know, absorb that uh, input uh, from multiple people within the leadership team. So if, if you've got a leadership team of seven and two of them are saying they've got a problem with one individual about what, either what they're not doing or their attitude, then, you know, as a group, we sit down and we talk about what are the next steps and, and, and basically coach that manager um, that, you know, they need to meet with them and, and uh, 
um, communicate the issues and, and try and get them resolved as quickly as you can. Yikes. That's uh, it's uh, obviously we we believe in that, but uh, it's it's a uh, it's a fantastic thing, and it's once you get people communicating openly, it, it's a magical thing. It's uh, you know, like you said, it may take uh, may take three four meetings or so to get there, but it's fantastic. Maybe talk to me about that. Sorry, If you're in this meeting, look around, hit the eyes, because in the first meeting you have the, the that individual that everybody's talking about outside the meeting, and nobody says anything, they're all looking across the room at each other. So it's pretty interesting. You know that that uh, you have to break through and once people are you know comfortable to start talking about that then things really start to flow but brennan you know we use this uh response what's the response that we talk to all of our partner company uh executives when they have a bunch of people coming to them complaining about each other what are they are you going to tell them or am i <laughs> it's it's amazing how that just kind of clears the decks and no one's going to the CEO anymore to complain about somebody else. But you know what I, what I love about, um, you know, Renee Bohr and we kind of first, you know, who, who's working with, uh, with Lou Allen and Mike uh, on this, on their process. You know, there were a couple of times when, when he and I would talk offline about things that were going on and what did Renee Bohr say to me all the time? I bet you, uh, bet you can guess, Mike. He like, calls it the BS gonna- factor, but in a meeting. But when, yeah, when somebody's bluffing their way through, that's again why it's really important to have a great facilitator. Uh, because in this case, it takes me out of the middle of sometimes of that confrontation, and just you got to call them out. And once you get that started, then your weekly meetings, you can do the same thing. It really works well. Yeah, and literally, if, if somebody comes in and likes to complain, and, and look, every every, ins, every institution ha, has it. I mean, all three of us came out of banking, so uh, we all know that that world exists in banking, or at least my bank sure did. You know, mm-hmm. when you when when somebody comes in and complains, or and says, I mean, if you look at them and say, "Are you going to tell them or am I?" It just it just changes the dynamics of things. It's I mean, it it, it really does, and uh, it's pretty pretty it, neat. It does, and Maybe it's always. It's easier not to, but uh, in the long run, you're a lot better off taking it head on. It is. Maybe talk to me about the five five five. Does that sound like some kind of bet? Do I win? A, is that three of a kind, or what is a five five five? It's a triple threat. Yes, um, <laughs> it, it, that's another tool that is really helpful. Um, I think we've all worked in organizations where you know you have a, a performance review system that comes up at the end of the year. You know, you're supposed to be, you set goals at the beginning of the year, you're supposed to be getting feedback throughout the year, but most companies don't do it. So they, you have this high anxiety meeting at the end of the year for uh, employee and manager, um, which are, you know, just horrible situations. Um, the 555 is a great tool. You do it, you meet quarterly. So every manager meets with every one of their employees on a quarterly basis. And what the 555 stands for is, Again, it's really to talk about what's working, what's not working. It's an, we use it as an open forum. You can have a set agenda, but we go in and, and, and what you, we want to do is we want the employee to do 80% of the talking, and you know, we do 20%. We might ask some probing questions, but it's really an opportunity to get the employee talking about um, what's working for them, what's not, what's working in their department, what's not, what's working in the company, and what's not. Um, and so the five stands for, uh, most companies will have five core values. They'll have the five specific roles. And then, um, actually, I just forgot what the fifth is. <laughs> the other fifth. But, but it's basically really just a set process where you meet quarterly uh, and just start an open dialogue. And so they continue to run together. And once you 
you, once you get them set and get them on the calendar, there's no anxiety. Um, there's really some great ideas that come out of those discussions that, um, um, that are really helpful. I would say that's the tool. When I talk to most of the peers within the U.S. system, they will say when you get to the point when you, those 555s are working uh, at an individual level, you really aren't surprised by any new issues coming up. That's great. Well, when we come back, we're going to keep, uh, we're going to move on and talk about a little bit more of the process tools in the entrepreneurial operating system. And uh, as I said before, and I'll say again, we're here with our president of uh, Llewellyn Technology, Mike Villa, who has implemented EOS within uh, Llewellyn Technology to great effect. Uh, revenue has increased 70% over the past three years and EBDA about 250%. And I'm sure all of our listeners would like to uh, do that with their own businesses. And uh, implementing some kind of operating system is something that uh, will help you you move in that direction. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about EOS. Thanks for tuning in to the second stage. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of. A team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance Tax Consulting. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the second stage. This is Jeff Cadlick, and I'm here with my partner, Brendan Anderson. We also have our guest, Mike Villa, president of Llewellyn Technology. You can be found at Llewellyn.com. Uh, we left the last segment uh, kind of staging to talk about the process tools in the entrepreneurial operating system. And the process tools really create a cadence within the organization, at least that's how I think of it. And one of those important tools Mike, is, is the weekly L10 meetings. Can you talk a little bit about uh, how you use those weekly L10 meetings and how they're structured? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, this is where the rubber meets the road. Um, I think we've all been victims at different times, whether we're leading them or not, of where you have meetings to have meetings and, and they just don't flow well and they, they sap energy out at the end of the meeting rather than giving energy. Within EOS, 
every week the leadership team meets um, in uh, either in person or by phone, and there's a set agenda. So you start the meeting with sharing some good news, which is actually a lot of fun. When the flow starts and people start to understand that, it's a great way to share all the successes because we tend to celebrate them each day, but when you meet on a weekly basis, you get to hear everybody else's successes that have happened in the past week. Um, then you, you, uh, you go through and you look at, we, we established a scorecard, which measures you know, anywhere from four to six of the key metrics that we think are the drivers of the business. These aren't backward. These aren't financial numbers looking backward. They're they're drivers and indicators that tell us what the you know the next couple of quarters are going to look like, and so it tells us early on if we think we have a problem, or more often than not, what's happened in the last year for us. It tells us where we need to make more investments to keep the growth going. So you go through that scorecard and you go through each item, um, and if there are any of them that you're behind, uh, you drop them down into what I'll talk about in a second on the issues list and, and forces a discussion on it. But then the, the but, next item Mike, is... Mike, let me get this right. Each let me, order let me, we set... Hey, Mike, let me ask you a rocks. question. Hey, Mike. Yes? So, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. So you're telling me you get your management team together every single week? I mean, that's got to get... There's no way that's productive. Is that... Or, or tell, me, tell, me, tell me, do people hate coming to that meeting? Because, you know, meetings are terrible. Um, when you start it out, th- th- they will fight it because they'll think it's another meeting on top of what they're doing. Uh, but we have it now, and uh, we do it every week. Uh, they're anywhere from 60 to no longer than 90 minutes. So you have a set agenda. You, you know, you have set roles. Um, at the end of 90 minutes, we cut the meeting off. So th- this isn't one that rolls into three hours. So once you build that discipline in there and – they get to realize it's a great opportunity for them to talk about what their issues are. Um, they really get pretty excited about it. But you, you are right. At the beginning, you, you have to you have to work your way through that because the natural reaction is, oh, great, another meeting on top of a meeting. Um, we we have our L10 every every Monday from 9 to 10.30, and I showed up this morning kind of saying, oh, you know, this is going to be a quick meeting. And then uh, I was stunned when I saw the issues list. I'm like, oh, my God. So issues list. What the heck is an issues list? I mean, you know, can, can, is, that, is that something that you control, or can everybody uh, have an issue? Everybody can have an issue. So what we do is um, we start, when we get to that issue, you go around the horn, and everybody has an opportunity to say what, what they have to identify what the issue is they can talk about any issue. It could be personal. It could be department level. It could be company. Um, and so we go around the horn, and everybody uh, identifies those issues. So we have a list typically that's anywhere from 8 to 12 at each week. Um, then what we do, this is the fun part, is we decided as a group we're going to vote because we want to focus on we can't get through all of them, but we want as a group to say what are the most important issues out there that we need to get resolved at this meeting. And that's the big thing about these L10 meetings is you identify issues and you leave that meeting with some resolution around those issues. And so we vote and we usually will work through three or four issues each week. And then we carry those ones we don't get to, we carry over and we can talk about them in the future if the group thinks that it's important. So that voting process is really key because it brings back to the most important issues to solve that day for the group. And so we identify it, and then we discuss it, um, and then we have to find a solution, and usually what comes out of that is somebody's assigned some additional work to do to bring back um, to the next week's meeting. 
and, and I do, and I do want to stress, like in in those uh, in the, when you're IDSing, I, um, identifying, discussing, and in in uh, solving the the um, there there always is a. I mean, if somebody ever raised their hand and said, "I need to talk about this," I mean, the point is, is it creates a forum that if somebody's having an issue, if somebody has something they need to discuss, the forum is there. So I think it's it was one of those kind of aha moments I had when you know somebody says, "I need to talk about this," and you're like, "Okay, let's do it." So it's. So, so, so we, we've kind of got the L10. We, we, we're, we're talking about the, the, the results of the scorecard, which I wish, which could be an entire uh, a session, I think, because you know, the scorecard really drives, you know, the, the, you know, kind of what's happening every week. But maybe given time, um, we, uh, maybe talk about kind of the pulse, uh, you know, the, the quarterly meetings, the VTOs, you know, and some of those things, and, and kind of maybe the, the annual planning and how that kind of parlays into keeping people uh, all on the same page looking forward. Um, it does, and it, it fits together nicely. What ends up happening in the weekly meetings might not be the right term, but I, I, the issues that come up are probably more tactical you know, around a customer, an employee. Um, the process within EOS forces you to have quarterly meetings, and then once a year you have a two-day annual planning session. Um, and we hold all of these off-site, by the way, because I think it makes a big difference to get people away from their desks and their phones, and you know, the phones have to be off. We do that in the in the L10 meetings as well, so that people are, are focused and you know on the issues at hand. Uh, but the quarterly um, meetings happen, um, and it's a very similar process. You go through, you do your check-in um, about what you want to accomplish that day. Um, it, in a more macro sense and probably strategic sense, we get into a different set of issues about what we're doing, how do we grow the business, or what obstacles are out there preventing us from growing the business. Um, and, and then you, so you work through those issues. And at the quarterly sessions, we establish rocks for the next 90 days, which are um, the priorities. So what we think at a company level or maybe uh, a few individual ones for the group, the leadership group, we identify what we think is the most important things to get done in the next 90 days. And it's really powerful. So as I was mentioning in the L10 meetings, each week you go through and we talk about where you are, where, what status are you on track or off track on those those 90-day rocks. So um, the combination of all these really flows well, I think, to answer your question, Brendan, which is on a quarter annual basis, you're thinking big picture and you're building a lot of team trust. Quarterly, you're narrowing down to things that are really important the next 90 days, and on the weekly, you're doing more of the some of the easier, more tactical things each week. And the good news in all that is everybody's getting input into what's on their mind, which gets back to your comment earlier about it really reduces those those water cooler discussions, as we call them, about complaining about something or someone uh, because everybody has the opportunity to, to voice it uh, throughout this whole process. Another big aha I had is, is uh, you know, I like to hit some of these entrepreneur conferences and you read a book and you come back and you and I always want to say, hey, good news, we're going to try something more exciting. And, you know, I would, you know, I would create or Jeff or I would come back with these crazy ideas and we'd create this chaos. And I think what what's awesome about EOS or a process is that you can have a great idea, but it works it into the process. You know, you put it in the quarterly meeting, you put it in the annual meeting, but it doesn't interrupt the current, you know, the current uh, flow. And uh, I'm sure that's uh, something Jeff and Barbara and Marlene and everybody else is ecstatic that we have. So, 
Believe it or not, I have talked through the, I have talked the entire hour and we are out of time. But uh, Mike, I literally I congratulate you on your success. I thank you, thank you so much for for embracing this and doing a wonderful wonderful job and being our partner. And um, and also, as you said earlier, you know, I firmly believe Jeff firmly believes that if management embraces this process, it always works. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I think that EOS creates that framework for decision-making that's not evident in a lot of small businesses, and uh, it's added years of experience to my ability to help uh, manage a business um, you know, just by implementing and thinking through the system as I, as I help make decisions when working with our partner companies. And uh, Brennan, we've got to have passion for possibilities. Passion for possibilities. And Mike, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us, and we appreciate the work. Thank you, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the second stage. Thank you for tuning in this week to the second stage. Please join Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson again next Monday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And have a successful week. 